0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU sports news podcast. I am Bennett Conlin joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. I'm at the beach. Jack is not at the beach, but he'll be at the beach soon, but different beach trips.
1: Yes. In different states because you're in a virginia virginia beach not virginia beach but a virginian
0: beach. well i'm like 20 minutes from virginia beach
1: okay yeah so I'll it's, be it's at-
0: basically virginia beach. it's like a little offshore
1: okay yeah okay i'll be at outer banks the superior of the beaches
0: and i just wanted to start with that so people would know where we
1: are so they can sort of set yeah. their minds so bright. if you can if you can think of a beach house you know sea urchins on the wall um you know really Lot of exposed wood. That's what I'm looking at with Bennett right now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there might be a few clips of this going up because Jamie Sports News podcast is sponsored by Three Notched. And we're really gearing up for a lot of awesome three-notched content. There might be some coming out of this podcast, but yeah. there'll be a lot coming up next week just to uh preview that and give a little um give a little tease to this stuff coming up. Next week we'll have our three-notched beer or our three-notch brewing opponent preview both on the podcast and on our website so you can check that out when it drops next week www.jamiesportsnews.com a lot of three notch stuff coming there i mean if you're in the harrisonburg richmond um charlottesville roanoke area head on into their tap room check out what they have brewing both as the pun there and also what they actually have brewing because they always have fun stuff on tabs a lot of great beer um yeah.
0: When you said we were gearing up for the previews, I thought you were going to say, like, drink a lot of beer. We're gearing up for a big football season of beer. I mean,
1: if you have a choice of beer to tailgate with, go with three notched. There you go. And You're also, Jamie Sports News is presented by Bet Online because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. I think that part of the that part of the read always has me geek, always geeking. Even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50. That's promo code B-L-E-A-V 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts.
0: Yeah. I got Scotty Scheffler in golf this weekend. I think he he has the lead going into the tour championship. Okay. I think he I think he holds it. Okay. I like I like that pick. That's a really good pick. He feels like someone too. He's had such a good year. He would, you know. I want it to match up in terms of who the champion is and <laughs> uh, you're dropping everything, but who the champion is and who had the best year. And I think it should be Scotty. So I'm rooting for Scotty this weekend.
1: I do have a question for you. Yeah. What happened to Colin Morikawa when he shot a 10 on like 10?
0: I didn't see that specific hole, but he's been a little, a little inconsistent this summer. And then okay. it seemed like he had gotten things figured out. He had a stretch of like six great rounds in a row and it's like, okay, he's back. And he shot like an 80. So who's to say? He, I think he was
1: minus. He was 11 under, like two off the pace. He of was the right there, yeah. And then he just combusts and shoots six over par and just falls.
0: It wasn't good. It wasn't good for young Colin, but he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, he's good. We were talking about a three notch. We were talking about drinking beers. Yep. You don't want to drink too many beers, though, because that could influence how you treat officials and opposing players and and Jack we got to do better as Dukes that is a mid-season segue
1: I absolutely love it we're (laughs) heading into our first topic of today born in his born dialogues broke down how Dukes do better I think is that what is that's what this initiative is called is called I'm calling
0: it the dumb sportsmanship thing yeah, I mean, it is. It's not the worst thing in the world, I don't think, but it's also very strange.
1: I just feel like. I feel like you have a rabid fan base, like you have a fan base that wants to get into sports, and that's not necessarily the norm for a lot of colleges around this, the country. And maybe they went a step overboard with chanting F Tony Bennett. Maybe I'm, I'm still in the camp where you had to be there to understand what happened. Um, but I think it's just kind of weird to just be like, we haven't even played a game yet in the Sun Belt, And he's always like, he's already like, you guys, the sportsmanship thing's way out of hand. We need to, we need to be better.
0: It's fine. Like, it's an admirable goal. There's no way to measure it other yeah. than like somebody not chanting FU Tony Bennett. Like there's, there's no way they can determine if it's success. It's like a, a good message right to have like oh trade everybody with respect like i get that that's fine but like the idea that it's actually going to lead to anything i think is probably a little naive it's like
1: saying don't leave at that at halftime
0: yeah so you get a better chance of maybe doing that i don't know it doesn't make any sense it's like it's it's just weird it's also like it's most college sporting events not to like be like well everyone else does it but everyone else does it
1: i i feel and i also feel like we're pretty tame with our chance granted i think so i, I know the I, I think what's sticking out in Bourne's memory and a lot of like fans memory is the FU Tony Bennett chant, which, okay. But like at football, I don't ever remember like a a bad chant coming down where like if you look, if you listen to Alabama games or like any SEC or Big Ten school, like they're chanting pretty obscene things
0: this is the line i liked i I pulled up born's born dialogue i'm not sure when having a good time at a sporting event became defined by cursing the opponent but there's no place for it at jmu since like forever that's exactly what it's happened like forever everywhere (laughs) like i don't know when people started cursing it's like i don't know if he's so far like in the suite that he he can't hear what the fans (laughs) are saying but like that's not a thing
1: I also just keep coming back to the FU Tony Bennett chant, because like, I think there's just so many layers to that, that a lot of people are missing, like UVA kids make fun of JMU kids. Like it's a pretty like known rivalry between the students themselves. And then not to mention like UVA kids, like always bring up the athletics thing that they're better in basketball and football and academically and there's the JMU just missed UVA like there's so many layers to it and then on top of that Tony Bennett is like one of the fathers of modern day college basketball you know, like he's one of the coaches that you think of when you think coach K Jay Wright Tony like he's on the Mount Rushmore of today's college basketball coaches and he was acting a fool on the sidelines against James Madison a team they should have beaten by 20 and like, he's just acting like a child complaining about a, a call that has no impact on the game. And it just like, I think it was just the culmination of everything. And they won the, and like JMU you won the
0: game. I don't know. I'm, I'm a defender of the FU Tony Bennett chant. Just a heated moment. I think I I mean, it's, yes, I understand that as an athletic department, you wouldn't want your students chanting that. So I yeah. think that's a fair thing to hopefully have changed or whatever, but um, I don't know. I just don't know how it's going to lead to anything. Like I would agree that probably not great that they chanted that. And I also don't think that the 20 year old students or whoever, (laughs) and if you're old enough, you're, if you're an old enough student, they're selling alcohol at the games. Like they're right. So you could have bought, you know, a beer or two beers, whatever it was at a time. And you have those, you probably pregame that game was a night game. And like, so you're, you're drunk at this game with an intense matchup and somehow JMU is like, has a legitimate chance to win. Like you're going to be kind of fired up and no one's not seeing, there's not like a little video you can play with Byington on the big screen that goes, Dukes do better, that they're going to go, you know what? Let's let Tony, you know, work the refs on the (laughs) sideline (laughs) and just sit there silently and go, oh, that guy, that (laughs) coach. Like it's, I don't know, like they're going to say things. I, I think it's a fine campaign. I just don't know that like you can actually curtail what college sports are, which is this massive business. And your goal is to get like as many people in the seats as you can. And you make more money from concessions if you're selling alcohol. So it's like, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up to have this. You can't just like run out of campaign and stop it.
1: I think I'd also be okay if Bourne came out and he was like, I didn't like the F you Tony Bennett chant. Like, I think we should try and be better overall. I think I'd be okay with that. I think the fact that it's a campaign that they've dubbed Dukes do better and how he's like, this is an unacceptable way. Like, do you know what happens on JMU's campus on a day-to-day basis? Like, this is nothing compared to the things you hear and see and what happens at party. Like,
0: I don't know. I just feel like it's really out of touch. It's. It doesn't seem like the biggest issue, Yeah, I would, I would say. I get what he's saying. I think it, I also kind of agree that it might have made a little more sense if instead of, like, the weird Dukes do better phrase – he just had a statement, ap- yeah. maybe after the game. Yeah, like like I don't know, in December <laughs> yeah. instead of August, being like, hey, like that's a little much. Like great win, but like <laughs> don't do that. And it'd be like, all right, yeah, we we hear that. I think that kind of thing would be nice. And then you could have buying and say something too, if you wanted. I mean, he might have, I can't remember, but kind of strange, I think, to um, run out this whole campaign right before the season when you're holding clearly still upset from something that happened in December. So you kind of gotta got to say something there right you got to treat us like children i think in the stands where it's like you can't can't punish someone it's like a dog right you can't punish them four hours later for something they did they don't know what they don't know what it was they don't remember
1: that yeah exactly we're up to football season what happened <laughs> that was a whole non-conference slate ago that was before jmu's season went down the toilet that was when they yeah. still had an at-large hope
0: yeah it's so interesting i like the, i guess i like the idea generally right it'd be cool it's a good ideal that jamie fans and all college sports fans would be more supportive and and nice to each other i still think there are some that are like reasonably nice i didn't like i don't think there were um uva fans who were getting like singled out in a derogatory way during the game remember i remember one fan she showed up with like her jamie boyfriend i think um and they gave her like a friendly jeer and she like they boot her as she walked into the section but it was like all fun and people were like laughing about it after including Her. so I think like some of that stuff that Borm doesn't see is like fine sportsmanship and you're still ragging on someone it was the one chant which um yeah I guess you could hear it pretty clearly and maybe (laughs) on a nationally
1: televised I think this if that was also on (laughs) flow I don't think Born does a Dukes do better campaign I think the fact it's a nationally televised game
0: yeah it doesn't help but maybe they I think some of it too is like JMU fans or students like the student section Especially for basketball has a long way to like go in terms of coming up with chance or anything. I think that was just literally like a heat of the moment and they had nothing better to say because they haven't gone to many basketball games. It's just like, uh fuck Tony Venute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do we say now? What what's, yeah. what, what what's what's what do Team Storm? What do what do the Cameron crazies say?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know that it's going to do anything. Yes. It's like he had some other line in here. We live in a challenging world where animosity and confrontation towards another person or group is far too frequent it is a conscientious choice to not fall into that trap in a competitive sporting environment and to choose to be vocal and energetic while doing so in a manner that builds up rather than tearing down. I'm not going to build up the opponent. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say, yeah, maybe, Tony maybe, rip into the refs.
1: rip into the refs. I
0: think maybe, he's, maybe he means like you chant like positively toward JMU, as opposed to against an opponent. But again, that's not like a new thing. That's something that's been happening in college sports probably forever. Certainly since I was a kid and started going to college sporting events, there's not been, I've never gone to a sporting event and been like, wow, you know, who is really polite. That's student section. <laughs> like. <laughs> So I think it's, it's a bigger problem. And I don't, I don't think this saying that the students should do better is actually going to make an impact, but that's just, just my opinion on the campaign and my initial thoughts. Yeah. I like that breakdown,
1: dumb sportsmanship thing. Moving from all of that off the field stuff. I think it's time we jump into a little bit of on the field things. some updates from camp um, expectations yeah. next week. We'll be doing a, a deeper dive into middle Tennessee, The week before we might try and get on a middle Tennessee beat writer. We'll see how that plays out. I don't know if middle Tennessee has a beat writer, but we'll, that was rude. They probably won't come on now that I, that I just trashed them. Um, First things first, some updates from camp. I don't know if you've heard Bennett, but the defense has been hit pretty hard by COVID.
0: Yeah. I was kind of surprised, honestly, that there've been like some COVID articles. And I saw some people where they're like, why are they testing? It's like, they're not testing everyone. I think a kid is like, Hey coach, I feel very ill. Yeah, And then, and then they test him and they're like, all right, shit, you gotta do the, the protocol. It's not like they're going out and like Centeo feels healthy or somebody feels healthy and they're jamming a swab up his nose. Like, I think they're following standard procedure across the country, which is if you feel sick, you can test yourself. So They're not going out of their way to test. I don't. I don't believe. No, they're (laughs) not. Because they weren't even right. They didn't do this all season in 2020 because of that. So now, not in the height of it, they're certainly not going to go out of their way to spend that much on tests. Um, Anyway, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I I guess the defense has seen it a little more than the offense. Is that what you you read?
1: That's what I've heard and read that the defense got hit a little bit harder. And by that, I think it's primarily really hit the defense. They've lost a lot of players. They've been struggling with depth on that side. They haven't had a lot of continuity practice to practice week to week. Um, so that leads me to my next topic of, I don't think this defense is going
0: to be good because of the COVID.
1: No, because I think just like everything piling on it. I think they're, they're thin at linebacker cornerbacks. There's one start between them or between the corners and linebackers. There's one start combined, um, and then not only that, the continuity of the team, they haven't really been able to play together as a full unit for the last few weeks because of COVID. I think everything piling on each other is just compounding into where I don't think this defense is going to be able to hold opponents under 30 points.
0: I think they're going to be fine. Maybe I'm just too optimistic this year, but they've got like, I don't know, assuming they can get some guys back. Cause it's, it's a lot faster now than it used to be in terms of like turnaround, right? You just You get your symptoms, you get over the symptoms, and then you're good to go. And if you're a close contact, you don't even have to quarantine. So obviously a little probably easier to catch it if you're a close contact on a football team and you're spending all your time with each other and you're like in close proximity. But if you can get some guys and they all get healthy, that's good. I think they've got enough enough depth on some positions. Like I like the defensive line. I think safety, they're fine. Corner, they have some questions, sure. I like the young linebackers. So I think it'll be sort of an interesting development through the season but playing middle tennessee norfolk state and then a bye week i feel like that's enough of a buffer that if you can get through the week one game you should have everybody pretty healthy in terms of things like that and you can also build that chemistry maybe not in the middle of camp but in early season so i guess that would be my my cautiously optimistic view of the depth problems
1: that's valid i'm still just nervous i'm looking at the odds for um week one against Middle Tennessee, because last time we recorded there were seven and a half point favorites.
0: Yeah. They're uh, right around a touchdown from what I've seen.
1: Six and a half point favorites. So they've come down going down there. a little. Yeah. Um, I think middle Tennessee might pose a little bit of an issue, um, but you're right. You have middle Tennessee Norfolk by. So essentially you have another, including next week, you have another month before you're actually playing like, like Appalachian State, yeah. yeah. Until I think in- it's actually a
0: month from today when we record, yeah.
1: So, like, until uh, you're in Sunbelt play and games matter more, or I guess no game really matters this season. But, like, I see your point. I just I, – I know we talked about it last podcast, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's just going to be different when you're playing against Chase Bryce who can hit a wide-open receiver 50 yards down the field, mm-hmm. which this secondary has allowed on a few times, and just Davis-Cheek or, you know – the undercuffler wasn't able to hit an open receiver 50 yards Mm -hmm. down the field like they're going to be playing quarterbacks that can do that so that worries me and I think I just go back and forth where I'm like maybe we're too confident going into this season maybe three wins is what's going to happen like three feels low to me it does feel low but I think I did this to myself when I put out the tweet, what's your boldest prediction for the JMU football season. Mm -hmm. And I know it was all bold predictions. And so it's, it's things that people don't necessarily think will happen and it's bold, but a lot of people seemed really confident that like this team's going to overperform expectations. I just don't, I think it's more likely they underperform this season.
0: I think it depends which expectations, if it's like finishing sixth, like, the coaches predicted in the east i think they could overperform that if it's like going above the six and a half win total i don't know that that's realistic but it's hard because there have been so many different people with different yeah expectations i feel like most years it's pretty clear with Jamie. it's like oh they're a top three team in the fcs or whatever but this year it's a little harder because it's like oh like the odds makers have their over under at six and a half wins but the like a lot of sunbelt x ex- i've seen them picked last in the sunbelt east so like i think them that one in eleven they're going 111. Yeah. Arkansas state's 24, seven page has them going one and 11. That's what they said. FBI had them going one and 11, which is just a incredibly impressive way to not understand math, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> there, I think FBI has them an underdog in 10 of the 11 games, but it projects them to win 3.6 games. Right. Cause if you have like a 47% chance of winning, you're an underdog. But if you, you know, go throughout a whole season with a 40% chance of winning every game, your projection is not going to be only winning one of the toss-up games. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are confused by that when they look at FBI. Anyway. Thank you for breaking down FBI. (laughs) They also have a tab that does it for you, so you don't have to do any math, and it just says projected wins, but they must have missed that one and given Jamie a 12th game, which I thought was bold. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) for them, I suppose. But I don't know. I think they could outperform finishing last in the division. Cause you can't underperform it.
1: I mean, yeah, that's valid. I, maybe I'm just thinking like what JMU fans expectations are where it's like finishing behind coastal app state Marshall JMU
0: or like, I think they could finish fifth. I don't know, man. I would say, I would say app state coastal Marshall and Georgia state are better than them would be my initial read. Do you want to know something insane? Yeah.
1: So JMU is a six and a half point favorite against middle Tennessee, meaning that odds makers think they'll win by seven points or more. According to ESPN's football power index, middle Tennessee has a 70.4%
0: chance of winning. That's the, uh, is that, that's FBI. That's FBI. That I feel like it's got Jamie way lower just because they're an FCS team and it hasn't accurately assessed them. That, that
1: could be it. I don't I think, think that the FBI
0: ranking for them is stupid low. Okay.
1: That, that was a perfect segue then into the SP plus ranking. Also, I think low. Do you think that's low? They can't, they check in at 94. That's Bill Conley's SP plus ranking 94th. Um, I believe that's. Around the lower third of the Sun Belt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I'm gonna double check while you talk about it. Why do you think that is low? Do you think they're just using FCS stats, and it's not just fully up to date? And, James, you will kind of jump up a few spots after when it when we're looking at this come their bye week in, in in four week in three weeks.
0: Yeah, I think it just doesn't totally reflect how good the team is. I think it's a little bit um, based on. Information, you know, from the FCS, which is obviously the information you have, but everyone else sort of gets. I feel like better metrics just for having played an FBS schedule, and I don't think that's entirely fair. I'm trying to see where JMU is in the the Sagarin ratings. They're 103rd, so I guess maybe they are pretty darn low on some of these rankings. I just think that's low. I think centeo is going to be good, better than he's been at any point in his college career. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the defense has enough. I think there. I think Todd Santeo will outperform any expectation because I think, well, I think he's going to out. He doesn't have like incredible previous stats. Like last yeah. year is his main year and he had 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. But I think in a system that gets the best out of quarterbacks, he's going to play well. Yeah. And the schedule is not that daunting. I don't think, I mean, it's, it's certainly challenging, but from a defensive standpoint, there's some weeks where he should be able to have really good performances. I just, I don't know. Like, some of the ratings don't make any sense. Like you look at the Sager in 2022, they have Montana at 90 and JMU at 103. Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't, yeah. doesn't make any sense. They have like a bunch of Mac teams ahead of, of JMU. I also think the Sunbelt in general is kind of too low in FPI and SP+.
1: So you're a little higher on the Sunbelt than the rest of the analytics communities
0: are. Yeah, and I think they'll adjust. Like, I don't think FPI has any Sunbelt team in the top 50. Okay. Is, it's stupid. Like that's not gonna be how the season ends. Like at least one of the teams is gonna be a top 50 college football team. Yeah.
1: I think at one point there'll be a ranked Sun Belt
0: team. Yeah. Is that I a think, hot take? I could see that happening. It's typically the preseason polls hate the group of five and then the season ends, and there's a few group of five teams that are that are in there. Yeah. Um just so everyone's aware when it comes to
1: the SB plus JMU checks in at 94. Some notable names around them is ODU at 93 Colorado state at 96 middle Tennessee down at 100 um, and Troy at 91. They're better than Troy. According to this, they're not. I
0: think they're better than Troy.
1: Georgia state at 76. Arkansas State one twenty one, Texas State one twenty two. Um,
0: Aren't those the two? Yeah, those are the two West teams that Jamie yeah. play. You know what I mean? Like there some like when people are like, "Oh, I could see them winning six games." That's part of why is like two crappy West teams. They have an FCS game and they open the year against Middle Tennessee. Like you're looking like they could have four wins by early October. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it just based off of SP Plus,
1: they should win Middle Tennessee. Based off of SB Plus, they'll beat Texas State, they'll beat Arkansas State, and they'll beat Norfolk State. So yeah, four wins in their first five, five games.
0: Yeah, and then they might not win again, according to some people. So
1: uh, me <laughs> and Coach, whoever Coach is yeah. on Twitter,
0: that was his. That was, I like the bold predictions that aren't positive, though. That kind of makes for a more fun thread.
1: It is because everyone else was like, "I think they're going to beat either App State." Or Louisville. And it's like, that's really bold because both of those are on the road in very hostile environments. And Louisville has a quarterback that might go second as as the second quarterback or the third quarterback in next year's draft and Malik Cunningham. And you think we can beat him? Um, Love the confidence. It's a bold take. Bold take. Because last time, Jamie, you played an NFL quarterback, it was Mitch Trubisky. Not the best quarterback, as we've seen. He is now on his third NFL team with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, he shredded our defense.
0: And he did. All right, sticking with quarterbacks, I want to ask you, Todd Santeo, Billy Atkins, the (laughs) battle that's still raging on, are you surprised that that's still a storyline?
1: So I know what Kurt Signetti's doing. Like, he's not going to announce it until probably next week's media availability and or – the O'Neal's press conference. Like, I think that's when it's going to come out. And, and I'm not trying to rag on the local media. Dave Riggert, TJ Eck, and Noah all do a fantastic job, and they're just doing what they have to do. They have to ask the questions because there is no quarterback announced. But I just think it's stupid. We're still running with this with this storyline. Like, we know it's Todd Senteo. Kurt Signetti has been dropping breadcrumb hints this whole time. He doesn't really talk about anything else. He has said on record... It is the least of his concerns is the quarterback position. Like he's said that Todd Senteo is looks every part of a six year senior. He's played so many years. He's been in the mountain West. He's been at temple. Like. There's no reason we need to keep like playing this hypothetical of what if it's Alonzo Barnett? What if it's Billy Atkins?
0: It's not like, it's just not going to be. Probably not the least of someone's concerns if they're undecided. Yeah. Ex- about a starter, <laughs> especially
1: like a starting quarterback. If I'm Kurt Signetti, I'm going to be like, I'm worried who we're going to start. Even if like, they're all three good ones. Like what's the John Madden quote. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Like I, right. if I was Kurt Signetti and I didn't know who was a starter, I think that'd be the, the top of my concern list. It's going to be Todd Sinteo. There's a reason they brought him in. There's a reason Sinteo probably transferred here. He has one year of eligibility left. He's not going to a a program that's not going to give him a really strong shot at being the starter. I mean, Barnett, Atkins, the future of this program is in good hands from what it sounds like. But I just think right now, the fact that we still are giving them the time of day. I think the the question is, who's the
0: backup? I think it's going to be Atkins. It sounds like. It's kind of been that one, two, three with Barnett yeah. at three. So I don't, I don't know. That's a weird one that that's still happening, but I think we'll get the two deep probably on Monday or whatever, which I think will also coincide with some sort of press conference where we learn that, that uh, is was the starter. So yeah, I, I think we'll learn pretty soon. Finally, what's going on there, which I think will be fairly interesting. I'm excited for that. And uh, yeah, we'll finally get some, some positive vibes.
1: Some much needed closure on that. I think Centeo steps in, and that was my bold prediction last week on the podcast that he wins Sun Belt Player it's, of the Year. Which I is
0: thought fun. you were going to say the starting job. I was like, yeah, that was bold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, they had a couple recruiting things we should get to. Yes, they've added mean, a couple yeah. of like high quality recruits, and they also added Florida's Andrew Burkett as the director of player personnel. Um, so he worked at Arizona State and Louisiana with Billy Napier. And he was the director of recruiting research with the Gators. Obviously Napier hasn't coached a game yet with the Gators. So he did not spend a ton of time <laughs> in Gainesville, uh, but he's an interesting one. And he spent some time at Alabama as an assistant. So I, I think he's a good one. I believe he, um, yeah, I, I'm assuming the Alabama connection is part of part of maybe why he was on his radar, but on Signetti's radar. Yeah. But it seems like a good hire. All the Florida people seem kind of bummed that he was leaving. Um so it's, it's also good that they're adding a position, the director of player personnel that has some, you know, recruiting value. I know Signetti had talked a lot about wanting to bolster his recruiting department, and it sounds like he got a pretty good hire. Yeah, and then they got
1: a commitment out of Jarvis Green, who had a few other um, solid mid-major group of five yeah. people courting him, and he chose JMU. So with that new hire of the director of player personnel, plus the Jarvis Green commitment, do you think that's kind of a sign of things to come that JMU is going to be really recruiting heavily with those group of five power? Well, I guess. I mean, some of them I have
0: Appalachian state, like Memphis. I think you can probably, okay. that's fair.
1: I guess in my mind it was Charlotte and I was like, well, Charlotte's
0: not really power. I don't really want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sorry, Don. Sorry. But, <laughs> no, I do think it, I think it will be kind of a sign of things to come. I think they will be good recruiting wise. They kind of have been in the past at the FCS level and, I think moving in now, the one thing I'll say is I think the ratings, like recruiting ratings for a group of five, I think are like pretty inaccurate. Yeah. So I think that's something to keep in mind is like they're probably going to add players that are really good that you might see as like a two-star or three-star on some website, and I wouldn't read too much into that. I think that'll get better as they start getting some of these better players, but a lot of it is I just feel like the ratings suck.
1: And also we saw it with the FCS, like a three-star would recruit, would they would commit. And then all of a sudden they drop to like a two-star or like right. a one-star. <laughs> right. And you're just like, wait, he was just a three-star two weeks ago. So you'll probably see a lot
0: of that too. A lot of the system is like the rating changes based on who's offered, not necessarily them scouting someone. So it's like if Alabama offers, it's like, oh, well, he must be a four or a five-star because Alabama offer, which is like true. So it's not yeah. the dumbest thing, but at the same time, someone will like commit to, you know, like wait for us. And people we're like, the system's like, well, he sucks. It's like, no, nah, it's, it's not how it works. So.
1: Well, he can't be better than a three-star if he's yeah. going to wait for it. Something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Um, anything you want to finish this podcast out on?
0: Not too much. Next week will be our mega Megapod Megapod where we're talking uh middle Tennessee a bunch of season preview stuff so that should be a a longer one I would think yep and um you it sounds like you might have a giant Jenga battle coming soon
1: yeah I have a giant Jenga battle coming soon um although he's he's afraid to play me in cornhole
0: that's interesting yeah so see so, when he talked about people being really good or really bad at cornhole, is he on the really bad side? I that's what really I, I
1: have to assume. if You can't hate cornhole and be good at it. Right, true. I'm trying to find Bill Pap at bottom underscore nine. Look, I don't know which game I'm going to be making it to. This is to you, Bill. I don't know what game it'll be. Um, have a couple dates potentially circled. Me and Bennett trying to work it out. But whatever game. I end up at this season I'd like to play you in Giant Jenga and then I'd like to run you off the court in Cornhole while drinking a three notch beer
0: you play on a court in Cornhole Uh,
1: we will for this we'll go to the tennis (laughs) courts we'll go to the hillside courts
0: I like that that's really intense
1: (laughs) but no I mean I'm just not a fan of Giant Jenga definitely a tough tailgating game but that's all I think cornhole is the best tailgating game. The beanbags don't get blown in the wind. If it's a windy day, giant Jenga is just too loud, too cumbersome. I'd rather have giant connect Four.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not spilling all over the place. Yeah, exactly. I guess when you let it out of the yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. All right. Anything else you got to add?
0: I think that's it.
1: No excited for next week. I'm putting together spreadsheets for each team. I'm putting together one for middle Tennessee. As we speak james madison's is put together but it's really hard to put together a spreadsheet when there's no like advanced analytics or like any real yeah, stats like for for uh for middle tennessee at least there's stuff like they're against the spread record is is easily available yeah. um their sp rankings from last season are available where jmu it's all like starting right now and it's just and you're just like well the eye test tells me something that all of these advanced analytics don't understand, but we'll get that together. So we'll have that throughout the season. Um, but yeah, the Jamie no, sports news podcast is presented by three notch brewing and that online. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day for Bennett common. My name is Jack. It's Patrick.